0: What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield. Happy to be with you today. This is one of my favorite podcasts, literally ever. I know you're probably getting tired of hearing me say that over and over again, but this one was really, really great conversation and one that we're going to have to continue in the future uh, with my friend from college, fellow Mount St. Mary's University graduate, Lisa Gormley. And so Lisa is a licensed professional counselor um, combined with, and she has studied also. Uh, Catholic anthropology, and her goal is to help others find the necessary tools and resources to enrich their lives and live as fearfully and wonderfully made humans as they were created to be. And so she provides services uh, of counseling, services uh, within a private practice in Cleveland, Ohio, and she's also a mother and a wife. And as I said, at Mount Grad, and we just had a great conversation today talking about uh, really rest. Our our whole conversation is kind of founded around what does proper rest look like? Many of you know that I have strong opinions on the world's approach to rest and mental health kind of in general when it comes to just constantly kind of creating what Lisa calls kind of a sort of a coddling culture where everybody is constantly just told to, to rest or, or to take time off, um, to take it easy on themselves. And I think a lot of people need a kick in the butt, especially us within the church. And so we have a great conversation of what does rest actually look like? What kind of like human natural needs do we have for rest? And how can we kind of approach mental health and good mental health practices within the context of our faith so that we can be restful, we can, you know, honor the Sabbath, we can do these things, but we can also seek excellence in our lives and strive to be our best and fulfill our potential. So I hope you enjoy this episode uh, with Lisa and go follow her at the Catholic Therapist on Instagram. And she's got a great blog and things like that as well. She's an awesome, awesome woman. God bless.
1: You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ, to be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It is time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God, lead others, and never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence.
0: Lisa Gormley, how are you doing, my friend? It's great to see you.
2: I'm doing so good. Good to see you too.
0: Welcome to the Seeking Excellence podcast. It is great to have you. I'm trying to think, well, obviously I've had a couple of Mount grads on. Leanne's done an episode, but there hasn't been many. I think you might be the second one, third, including ah, myself.
2: I'm so honored. I'm pretty sure, because she was in my grade, right? I'm pretty sure we lived. Yeah, in the Yeah, I was same trying to door.
0: think about that beforehand, because you were class of 2017, right? Two years after me?
2: No, I so I was in 2016 but I had to be all fancy and I graduated like three semesters early so I I ended up graduating like fall or December of 2015 so like I stayed there an extra semester after you I think Um, but I was like like I started with Leanne so like I was we were the class of 2000 we were the class of 2017 technically to start
0: you were Um, freshman when I was a junior well yeah not credits wise but
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we were in the same dorm room, Sheridan, I think.
0: Really? That's awesome. <laughs> Sheridan, I was a pain, I was a pain kid. Oh,
2: <laughs> pain no. <born. laughs> pain porn was gross.
0: That's so funny. It was, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was not high living. You know what I mean? It got me mm-hmm. ready for, being in Newman Hall at Benedictine College because <laughs> <tell> <laughs> this is the paying board of oh, uh, no. Benedictine, yeah. And I'm back, I'm back. You you know, you sometimes you start at the bottom, sometimes you come back to the bottom. So, <laughs> here we are, hoping for better uh, living accommodations in the, in the near
2: future, <laughs> right? I hope so. For both of you,
0: <laughs> here we are for now, amen. Yeah, you're not kidding. So, it's great to see all the good work you're doing. Obviously, you got the Instagram page and you're. Um, I'll let you tell more about what you're doing professionally right now. But it's just been so fun. You know, I think having Instagram friends and, and social media friends is so fun, but obviously more fun if you do them in real life and in person. And I think somebody like you is so cool to have have us now. I was thinking about before this, I'm like, man, I graduated from college six years ago, which is unbelievable, right? So we would have met mm-hmm. each other eight years ago. Or right, did I do that math right? Yeah, something yeah. like that, because it would have been like 2013 when you got to college. So It's like unbelievable to think that we go back that far and how much things have changed. You're married now with children, your mom, you know, I'm out of the army for two years now, which is crazy to think about. It's yeah, life is really, life has really happened. So I want to invite you just first, just tell the people a little bit about yourself, your story and everything and what you're doing now.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. I feel like as you get older, time really stops and slows down. So 10 years as an adult really doesn't seem like very much. So like when you just say eight years casually, like that's just wild to me because I feel exactly the same as I did in (laughs) terrace, which is the dorm hall that I first met you at. And people were like, Hey, there's this like kid, like giving a talk downstairs. I'm like, okay. Um, And so that's where I met you is hearing, and I would bring my now husband, Evan with me. Um, because the mount was really like his first experience, um, like growing in his own faith, and right. you were like normal and cool and relatable, so that had so many blessings in our marriage that I think are continued continuing to be fruitful today. So that's a really that's awesome. interesting start to our, our yeah. Meeting, we had some but classes but...
0: together and stuff, which was fun. But yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> I I miss it. I really I miss getting classes and like just learning. And I never right. thought I would say that, but. I really do miss school a little bit, but so yeah, I am a um, licensed uh, professional counselor. And after the Mount, I worked in um, HR a little bit and um, I worked in career counseling as well. And I ultimately decided that human resources was not for me. And so I went back to school um, at a nearby um, small Catholic liberal arts college um, in Cleveland. And that's where I got my master's in mental health. So um, I've been practicing in a private practice and um, I love it. Um, It's a Christian practice. I see people from like little kiddos and doing like play therapy techniques to all the way through adulthood. And I'm kind of like a general practitioner in that sense where I'm really trying to figure out, um, you know, where God's calling me in terms of like population, people I'm working with and everything. Um, And I just really felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit just to start a blog Um, which is why I started the website. And then I decided to kind of market that blog through Instagram, which has been the most unplanned blessing I can say in in so long, because it's just gotten me either reconnected with people like you, um, which I love, like seeing like that you have like a platform on here. I was like, wait a minute, I know him. It's just such a cool feeling. And The people that I've never met before and may never met, I just think it's so cool how um, we can get connected with people all across the country because that single-handedly has really made me grow in my faith the most in the last six months even. Um, So I only provide therapy to people in Ohio um, and I am on maternity leave currently because I just welcomed our second child, my daughter, Anna, um, at the end of January but um, coming back soon. And I recently launched some coaching services as well. So I do some coaching for people outside of state, but that's um, relatively new. So just a little bit about me. I kind of focus in perinatal mood disorders um, and women's issues, and especially like young early adulthood and college and graduate school and career changes, that kind of thing. Um, Although I see a little bit more than that, but that's kind of where my, my niche is right now.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's so cool. And I think one thing that has been really cool for me lately is you obviously, and I want you to tell tell everybody a little bit about this too, is you got a new podcast that you guys just launched with one of my homies. <laughs> know, yeah. which
2: is so weird. I kind of forget exactly how you guys know each other, but yeah. So we just started a podcast, which I need to know what kind of microphone you're using because it is a, <laughs> it is a new podcast. So let me tell you that. Please right, give right, us right. some grace, but it's called mission, mind and heart podcast and um, she's a fellow therapist. She's a licensed social worker in Cincinnati. I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. So we happen to be in the same state, which will hopefully allow us to meet because we literally have never met before, but um, we both, we met on Instagram and she um, kind of trans, translated her um, own therapist platform to be this podcast. So she like graciously gave us like the name and we kind of like redeveloped it a little bit, but yeah, it's all things therapy and Catholicism.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. So I actually worked at Dynamic Catholic with Sean Ferguson, her fiance.
2: That's right. Okay. And lived in
0: Cincinnati for a year. Yeah.
2: Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know you were so close.
0: I did. Yeah. So I lived in Cincinnati uh, from August of 2019 to September of 2020. Okay. And worked at DCI there in Northern Kentucky. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, I met Sean was my homie. We played, I used to bust Sean in ping pong on a daily basis. It was like the greatest <laughs> part of my job there. Just kidding. It wasn't the best part, but it was top five easy. We had ping pong tables and twice a day, Sean had a, a little bit more strict job than I did. So twice a day, he'd have like a 15 minute break and we would go and play ping pong once in the morning, once in the afternoon. Oh my gosh. And Yeah, it's so fun. And we were really, we really were pretty like neck and neck. We were pretty close Uh until the end, until the end, I really figured him (laughs) out. I think it started to dominate and then had to to go, but he's got two
2: 15 minute breaks in his day and he's playing ping pong. That's like a perfect um, segue to like what our topic is. That's that's probably not adequate rest. (laughs) That's
0: right. That's right. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's what we want to talk about today. And I think it's so fitting uh, obviously to have you on to talk about this, but I think it's something that was fun to to kind of go back and forth on, on social media. Cause you saw the you saw me sharing uh, my perspective on this. And obviously I'm not a trained therapist and don't understand mental health nearly as well as you do, or as Liz does. And uh, but my, my kind of stance on it that I was sharing, you know, and I don't think that and I don't know how much we see eye to eye or disagree in certain places on it, but I think that I generally, I mean, I agree with mo- most of what you shared when you kind of challenged and pushed back or just kind of clarify, you really kind of refined my view on it. Is, I think the best way to say it, um, but my, my whole thing with it was, and what I was kind of sharing was that I think that too often today we're told by the world or by some, they're really not, usually it's not mental health experts who are pushing this stuff. I think sometimes it is, but a lot of times it's just people, right, who speak in the name of mental health that just say, you know, you just constantly need to take time off. You need to rest and relax and like do nothing and take time for yourself and self-care and self-love and all this stuff. And I'm not anti-taking care of yourself. I'm not anti-doing those things. But I think that a lot of times the world interprets that as go Netflix and chill, go binge watch things, scroll on social media, say no to people who want to hang out with you. And it's like, well, sometimes you should go spend time with people for yourself and for other people. Sometimes you should sacrifice for others, right? Sometimes you need mm-hmm. to get up out of your bed or out of your couch and go to the chapel and pray. You know, you need to get up and go work out. Or There's different things that will also help your mental health that will help other aspects of your being, which is what Seeking Excellence is all about, you know. And it's not necessarily taking a sacrifice to your mental health, but it's really seeing it as more of an investment, I think, because that's what an investment is too, right? When you invest your money, like it leaves your account, right? Like it doesn't feel good. That's why people don't do it because it's hard to be like, oh, this is leaving my account. And I trust that this is going to pay off and be worth it in the long run. But in the the short term, if you're short on money, if you feel tight on money and you're told to invest your money, it doesn't feel good, right? Like it's not, it's not Mm -hmm. a pleasant thing. And I think that's, similarly what we have to do with our mental health, but you just kind of really challenged me, I think to really just kind of clarify that aspect of rest and what that really means. So would you just tell me a little bit about Mm -hmm. kind of your definition or what you think about, about rest and and anything I just shared?
2: Sure. And I would say, I'd have to like, look back at how I worded it. I was completely agreeing with what you said, actually. And the reason I felt compelled to share about it, especially ahead of us talking about it was because there's just, there's so many different perspectives on the concept of rest, relaxation, self-care is a big one. There are all of these buzzwords, especially now with my field making more of a name for itself in social media, which I think can be a really good thing. However, then you write, you do have people that are not professionals that are kind of speaking in the name of mental health perhaps because they have an illness themselves, or they just, you know, are an advocate or, you know, family, good reasons, good intentions. Um, But following Brene Brown on Instagram doesn't count. It's a great thing. Um, She's got some insight, but we see this in kind of like, like pop psychology culture. And I think that from the Christian perspective, um, I don't know that my field and I'm not dogging my field at all. I love it and respect it, but um, I'm a little bit tougher. I think of a therapist um, and my clients would probably agree with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And by that, I mean um, I I do affirm and I do, you know, I, I want to be there to support people through what they're going through. And at the same time, not, but, but and challenge them to be the best version of themselves that they're capable to be. I mean, your old boss, like coined that, you know, famous yep. phrase, being the best version of yourself in that accent. I love it. Um, and I think that when we <laughs> are, are talking about rest and self-care, it's our culture is twisting it into um, sloth or sloth, however you want to pronounce it. I hear it both ways, but which is really um, there's, there's two things that we confuse it with sloth, which is busying yourself with things that are not um of God are not good um, for you so you can you can busy yourself with your kids um, I shouldn't say that aren't good for you um, <laughs> but that are u- being used to avoid your spiritual health right So you can busy yourself with your kids you can busy yourself with your spouse with your job you could busy yourself with volunteering at a homeless shelter but if it's somehow keeping you from nurturing your spiritual health well then, you're still guilty of sloth. Um, and father Mike Schmitz has a excellent, like, you know, his short little, either in a podcast form or YouTube form video on this. And I was going to post like a clip of it, but the whole thing was good. I really recommend listening to it. Um, but the opposite of that then would be laziness. Right. Um, and it's not to say that people who engage in what we call self-care are lazy. But it's very easy to start to rationalize your behaviors, especially when um, that behavior is a lack of effort or motivation. Um, and we, we tend to kind of excuse it as self-care. Um, and that diminishes the power of actual self-care, like actually taking care of yourself. I don't even like the word self-care anymore because it's really been kind of taken over and diluted. Absolutely. Um, by, you know, like getting your nails done is self-care, taking a bubble bath is self-care. Those things are fun and relaxing um, and and they're worldly pleasures that are great to engage in sometimes, but that's not actually taking care of yourself. It's not going to give you any kind of prolonged wellness, peace, joy, anything. We have those opportunities and that's an actual rest, right? So your um, example was that, you know, It's, um, and you can clarify exactly like what wording you use. I forget, but, um, I think that maybe replacing you using the word rest with self-care and like that kind of almost like modern therapy, mental health. Um, I don't want to call it mumbo jumbo, but I'm going (laughs) to stick my neck out there and call it that Right. because, um, it's, it's not doing a service to anyone. And I really fear that we're kind of turning into a coddling culture um, where we aren't recognizing the um, potential of the human being sitting in front of us. And I'm speaking as a therapist, so I'm imagining myself and how this impacts my work with a client. Right. Um, and I only push people when I know that they're ready and know that they're capable of more. Um, and it's kind of like that best friend you have, that sibling, your child, your spouse, your significant other, whoever it is, like when you know someone really well and you know that they are um, capable of more than they're giving themselves, you push them, right? You should. That's right. what love. That's the loving thing to do. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, I think that that we have to recognize what actual rest is and differentiate that from what self care is. And we can talk about exactly what I believe rest is. But does that kind of capture? Um, what we're talking
0: about. Absolutely. I think you just you just gave like seven different things. I'd like to do a whole podcast. <laughs> on. I
2: know. Now, I went on a rampage. Sorry. I
0: took my whole page of notes up already. <laughs> <Just right laughs> down. I'm like, I try to write down the things I want to like comment on. And yeah, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know if I'll make it back to all
2: these. Just wait <laughs> to stop me from talking.
0: No, it was amazing. <laughs> that was great. So the one thing going, I want to kind of go work backwards to what you just said, because I think that the the end part there, where you were kind of talking, you know, you put your therapist hat on and you're talking about the person in front of you, you see their potential and you want to love and care for them, but also challenge them to reach their full potential, right? It kind of gave me this thought that like one of the things I often share when we're doing leadership podcasts, or even, you know, we're talking about finances or professions or anything that kind of falls in the seven pillars is, and the reason why we have the seven pillars is that everybody has them right? Like everybody needs to pursue some type of professional excellence. And that that means vocational excellence, right? That doesn't necessarily, like, even if you're a stay-at-home mom, there's still a certain aspect of excellence to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you, everybody has mental health, everybody has like grit and a need for mental toughness. Everybody has relationships. Everybody has a soul, you know, all of these things are universal. And we try to boil it down to say mind, body, and spirit, or people will say, you know, I've heard other people say mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, but then we kind of neglect some of these other areas that if you forget about those, those other ones are going to really take an impact, right? They're going to take mm-hmm. a big hit. And so what I think is so important once you just shared is that everybody in a certain sense is like a minor therapist, right? So like why this stuff is so important is because like I said at the beginning, I don't even think it's the the mental health field. They, they are definitely a part of it, but it's not them who really echo this message of like self-care and self-love, right? It's like mm-hmm. celebrities, it's influencers, it's the culture, right? It's it's parents and friends. That's who really is like impacting and in. And uh, mm-hmm. influencing people's minds to like believe that this is what rest is, right? That rest is either sloth or laziness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of missing the mark, right? And so that's why I think it's so important. Just like I say, everybody is a leader. Everybody also is kind of like, like obviously not we're not professionals and we're not professional counselors, but everybody listens to people, you know, has to like gauge what their situations are and tries to mm-hmm. give them guidance and help and encourage them, right? While also supporting them but challenging them to be better. Like this is something that that's why it's so important for everybody to really know this and for us to really tackle this head on, especially within the church, you know, to kind of talk about that. So that we're giving people, especially parents, you know, they say that um, like father Ripperger says that a stay at home mom has all the professions. Right. And like, you know, that as a mother, right. Like they have all, you have all mm-hmm. the professions as a mother. Um, and so it's really interesting. Yeah. To just think about the fact that this really does impact everybody. Um, but now I'm trying to take. what do I want to go into next? I think one of the things that was, re- I love what you said about having an and versus a but mentality, right? I want to love and support you and challenge mm-hmm. you to be better. Like that's, I mean, that's got to be it. That's, we have, uh, you know, uh, instead of an either or faith, we always have a both and faith, right? Like mm-hmm. that's what I love about Catholicism, both faith and reason. Like we're mm-hmm. able to utilize everything and that's exactly right. We're both truth and love mm-hmm. um, and just how important that is, you know? But what, what is one of the things that you think is different? Because you, you kind of sounded like, and you talked about doing coaching and counseling at the beginning. What is kind of your view of the difference between life coaching and therapy? Because obviously it is kind of similar, right? In a certain sense. And I think that having a coach's mindset and having a, the, the, the actual end goal that I feel like is missing sometimes in the mental health field of like, what are you actually trying to get this person to? Right, like and, and that's where I feel like secular therapy really just misses the mark because at least in in Christian therapy, like the goal is heaven, right? Like sainthood is what when you're coaching people or when you're counseling people, I assume that you're trying to get them to heal and to understand their problems, understand themselves and and be able to operate better in life so that they can be saints, right? So mm-hmm. you have that end goal. But I guess I'm really interested to hear just kind of your thoughts on the difference between coaching and therapy and how much that coaching mindset really helps in therapy, and I'm sure it helps you as a parent. And, you know, as a friend and, and all of that stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a good question. And it was probably the most common question when I started to announce that I was doing coaching, like, well, what's the difference of that? Is that just a way to like see people out of state? And there's <laughs> right. a, there is a distinct difference um, between therapy and coaching. There's some overlap um, and the overlap happens in therapy. So there's definitely coaching aspects in therapy. There should be sometimes that's missing. Um, that just depends on the therapist. It depends on the client. Um, in coaching, you know, the overlap would be things like active listening skills, like just those general, like, um, the nature of the person serving, um, would be somewhat, you know, someone similar to that of a therapist. Um, and obviously someone who does both, um, you know, I'm bringing myself both in that same capacity to each role. Um, however, therapy, um, goes into the past. Okay. What brought you here? What has contributed to this pattern of behavior um, that you're either trying to increase or decrease um, past trauma, particularly um, abuse, um, any kind of, even, even if with no abuse um, or with no trauma, what about your upbringing, your family um, has impacted your current relationships today? How can we really problem solve and figure out, what occurred then that is really still having an impact now because it perhaps is unresolved or, um, we're seeing repeat behavior and, um, coaching. And, and once we get to that point in therapy, there is an element then of kind of coaching of, okay, we're getting to this point beyond stabilization. We're actually starting to thrive. We can talk about spacing out our appointments much more. Maybe we're doing check-in basis. Oftentimes people will start to feel better from therapy and, end services. Um, And I've heard it before where people either Mm -hmm. end and I don't hear from them again, or they end and they come back when they need it again. Um, And that right there kind of tells you that sometimes therapists, we, and I say, we, including myself can miss the mark on that continuation, that coaching aspect you mentioned of, okay, what now? Um, and sometimes people feel like, and understandably when you're coming into therapy with such big things, when you feel that resolution, sometimes you need to breathe for a minute. Like you need to just be kind of where you are, um, and kind of alleviate those symptoms or eliminate those symptoms before you can even, people haven't even been able to dream for the future. And so I would love, and and I do love when I'm able to implement that. Okay. Now what, what do we get to go do? And whether that's career relationships, um, spiritual life, all of those different things. I love working on that, which is why I'm really excited about coaching because coaching is you're coming in at that point. You're coming in saying, okay, I either have this goal that I really need to figure out how to achieve it, or I have this desire on my heart and I need to figure out what goal to prioritize or how to even envision this goal period. So you've got people that are coming in a lot more, um, perhaps motivated for future-oriented things and we're not talking about the past. So if somebody felt like they had some unresolved things, I would refer them to therapy. Um, And to answer your question too, I wrote down the hierarchy of needs and this is um, a psychologist who developed the hierarchy of needs, it's a pyramid. And I actually wrote a blog post on this too. And basically the bottom of the pyramid where carbohydrates usually are is like your physical needs, right? Like, Like shelter, clothing, food, water, all that kind of thing. Above that, and oh no, now that I'm on the spot, I'm gonna forget everything. Above that would be safety. So making sure that you're protected, like you don't have any like immediate danger impending. Um, The one above that would be like relationship support. I I need to double check this now, but um, essentially what, what the purpose of this pyramid is saying is that you have to meet one before you can move up to the other. So when someone comes into therapy, yes, the goal in my heart, whether they're Christian or not would be, I I want you to get to heaven. I want you to have everlasting life. Mm -hmm. The way I can go about that, sometimes it looks different person to person. Um, And oftentimes people need to just get to that first tier. So, you know, we can't talk about the meaning of life and we can't talk about your relationship with your mother. If you don't have access to food right now. Or if you're not, and and I even go further, sometimes people think that that means just those in poverty. I have clients that are actually wealthy that are not meeting that basic need because they're not eating or drinking enough water. And that sounds basic, but it's so fundamental. So in that sense, different clients come in with different needs. Sometimes it's just stabilizing them. It's helping them wake up in the morning. Um, It's helping them stay in a routine to take their medication. It's helping them to, um, you know, hold boundaries or, um, address difficult relationships they have in their life. Coaching, ideally, you've met most of those needs on that hierarchy. And you're really talking about how do I get closer to the point, which is the point of it is self-actualization. Some people argue that you could ever do that. I, I don't believe in self-actualization. <laughs> I believe in just um, finding God and um, developing that relationship with him and ultimately heaven. Um, But whatever that is, you know, it just kind of depends on the client and what their most immediate needs are. And we can serve them even from a Christian perspective to meet those needs, um, whether, you know, they are Christian or not, whether they're Catholic or not. Um, So I hope that kind of explains a little bit of the differences and kind of how they overlap, but also how they differ.
0: Absolutely. No, that was really good. I I learned a ton while you were just talking about that. So that was very helpful. I think it's so important too, you know, and just kind of thinking about myself or just, you know, as friends and parents, like we were talking about before, and all these different relationships where uh, somebody might come to us, you know, I definitely, somebody's coming to me for more of coaching, right? Like I'm not going to sit down and talk to them about their past and be like, what, I mean, I could listen to somebody, right. But I'm not going to be like, what, <laughs> be able to really figure out what got us here. You know, like I'm more about like, where are we at now? How can we get to where you want to go? But just kind of hearing that, just realizing, especially understanding those hierarchy of needs, um, just how important it is that some people need therapy before they can get to that, mm-hmm. right? You know, and, and just thinking how many people are trying to apply the Brene Brown or some other, you know, self-help authors and things like that, trying to apply those things when really they need some of those more, like they're shooting too high on the hierarchy of needs, right? right. Like they're not they're not covering the the basis so that they can build upon that foundation. That's really, really important, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I loved kind of, you know, I'm a big, I named the podcast and ministry seeking excellence because I love philosophy. I love excellence and virtue and Aristotle, Socrates, Plato, all those guys. And so I love that you kind of gave me the, the extremes with the virtue being in the mean when it comes to rest earlier. Uh, and I really loved, you know, kind of giving a sloth and laziness. So I'd love to hear, you know, just a little bit more about that, you know, mm-hmm. like kind of what do you think kind of pushes people into those two directions? And, and maybe you can start with kind of describing, um, you know, you talked about describing what you think is actual good, helpful, taking care of yourself, rest. Um, and then maybe we can talk about like from there, what kind of diver- diverges and, and keeps people gliding off into the, mm-hmm. into the extremes on either side of that.
2: Sure. So I think that there's two ways to go about it. There's both spiritual and then maybe, um, I won't go so far as to say clinical, but my perspective as a therapist on it. Um, So the spiritual, you know, we can, I want to give more like um, specific examples. And I think from the perspective of virtue, where we fall on either side of the mean would be um, doing too much, even of, let's say a good thing. So we see a lot of people that maybe work out to the extreme that, um, you know, believe themselves to be eating like a really strict diet or, um, you know, or are just really focused on nutrition, which all of those things are great. Even spirituality, you can see people doing the same thing. Um, I mean, look at in, um, St. Ignatius, or in the, uh, discernment of spirits, you know, in one of, I think it's like the seventh or eighth Ignatian rule. Um, it's about humbling yourself when you're in spiritual consolation. So like when you feel like it's when basically yes. when you're doing too much, Right because you're kind of like waiting for either waiting for a crash and also the need to be humbled. Um, And I think that's so important to remember because again, too much of any good thing that's we're called to be dynamic. Um, We're called to have like many different parts of ourselves all within, you know, our soul and body. Um, From the, my, my therapist perspective, you asked, why do people fall on either side? My opinion, I'll say, would be that people, there's, there's two groups of people, and one group would be the ones that are very broken um, and feel that they don't deserve anything more. I don't feel like I'm truly capable of anything more. Um, and then there's the opposite side, which are, are those that are so capable of more, know it in their heart but would like to rationalize their own behavior. And so it's really important to distinguish that the same behavior could have two totally different motivations. And that's kind of my um, caveat here is, you, know, when we're, you might be thinking of someone listening to this podcast right now, you might be thinking of somebody in your life or maybe even yourself and immediately kind of starting to label like, oh yes, you know, this person that that's what they're guilty of, or that's what they're being challenged by. And I, I probably do sound like I'm challenging people that um, exhibit these behaviors. However, we really don't always know where that's coming from. And so we can't properly fix it or address it with somebody and help them to overcome it. If we don't actually know or understand where they're coming from. So is it that we need to kick someone in the butt sometimes and be like, you can do this, you know, better. Or does someone also need to know you are made for more, you are capable of more, you are loved for more. Um, That's two totally different approaches. And if we give the wrong approach to the wrong person, then we're really not, we're not um, addressing um, what needs to be addressed. So that's kind of, you know, again, there's, there's the spiritual aspect of it. And then there's like this more modern, um, kind of modern approach to it that is quite honestly perpetuated by I don't want to label the millennials because there's a whole (laughs) bunch of generations involved but I think I told you when we first talked about this it's memes please do not underestimate the power of this phenomenon that we are constantly sending to each other and yes they're all funny but the amount of um like false witness that are perpetuated by things under the guise of memes is just like, I think it's overwhelming. I think it's a very hidden. Yeah. It's a (laughs) hidden tool of the devil. Honestly, it really is. I mean, I, I send them, I love them. I can appreciate some, but I can see it very um, easily
0: manipulated is what I'll say. Yeah. They very quickly got from uh, being funny to where there's a lot of like non-funny memes now. Mm -hmm. you know, where there's like little short, I mean, I have a whole album on my phone in my photos. That's stuff I hate on the internet. That's just screenshots of memes (laughs) because it's, I mean, as somebody who's constantly fighting to like share the Christian conservative view on a lot of things in life, there's so many times where there's just uh, an attack against those positions that are summed up in a meme, right? In two sentences that just are boiled down to the fact that if you don't agree with this, you're a heartless SOB, right? Like mm-hmm. you just don't care about people and it's, yeah, it's difficult. But I think that that's, that's the stuff that I, even when I'm, I'm railing on, you know, things like rest and the fact that people need to be challenged as well. Uh, it's the memes, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the stuff that drives me crazy. Cause that's what everybody shares. I see them on stories. I see people posting and about this, you know, it's the things that get mm-hmm. the, this response. <laughs> right. <laughs> this right we,
2: we see like, there's like, there's for, to give, anyone listening context, I'm referring to like, there's a a popular thing about iced coffee. Okay. I drink iced coffee. I love it. It's delicious. It's a great thing to enjoy. Right. Um, I totally chuckle at some of the memes about iced coffee because I'm like, yes, sometimes my day does revolve around that. If that's kind of like when you're just in struggle mode and you really need to find that (laughs) small piece of joy, but that's what it's supposed to be. Just a small piece of worldly joy. Okay. And I, and I appreciate it for what it is as a gift. But we see this like joke about iced coffee, like I'm still going to show up 20 minutes late and yes, I'll still have iced coffee in my hand because that's just who I am. We see so much of that. That's just who I am. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm just, I'm just, is anybody else constantly tired, no matter how much sleep they get? And they're just going to, you know, water it down with iced coffee. There's these, And they're supposed to like be camaraderie, but I think it's actually toxic. There's an opportunity there for camaraderie with some of these things, but right. I, I think I'd be remiss to not, you know, bring up like this culture phenomenon that we have where it's unhealthy. Oh,
0: it's like,
2: so what, do, what, do you, what do you, what do you, I'm that person that's like trying to rationalize, like, what do you mean you're still showing up late and you have right. iced coffee? I would be, that would be rude. That wouldn't be funny. Right. Like we're kind of starting it's to a camaraderie be made to
0: around think, mediocrity. Yes. 100%. You know? Yeah.
2: Which
0: is like unthinkable but for so many people, but at the same time for most of the world, Um, it it really isn't. And I think it comes back to kind of what you talked about with the coddling culture, which I want to talk about more too. But before we get to that, one of the things I want to ask you, so you talked about the two kind of different causes, right? You have your rationalizers who know they can do better, um, but aren't challenging themselves or just kind of like really just kind of need a kick in the pants. And then you have the people who you know are really hard on themselves, kind of need a pat on the back and some encouragement, more gentle encouragement, what would you say in your experience, obviously, you know, you're not 50 yet. So you're not you know, it's super, super deep in the game, but in your experience, maybe just in your life or, you know, in your professional experience, what if you had to ballpark a percentage, would you say it's somewhere between 50, 50, 90, 10, one way or the other, like where in that range would you kind of, would you kind of gauge it?
2: That's a good question. I don't... It's really tough to answer. Cause part of me wants to say that everyone has 50, 50 in them. Right. Um, so maybe that's a better way to answer it as kind of a scapegoat, but, sure. um, I probably see in my therapy work, I see far more people that, that don't feel like they deserve it, but right. those are people that are coming in that, you know, have more severe symptoms, um, and, you know, trauma histories and all that kind of sure. thing. And, um, I would say mainstream though, and especially what I'm seeing on social media is it's actually, I I really have to say that they both happen because, you know, I see people that are very clearly rationalizing unhealthy behavior that they can control, Mm -hmm. but I know that at the root of it, there's something in them that really thinks that they don't deserve to live anything other than a mediocre life.
0: What they're doing. Right. Yeah. No, I asked that question because I think that's especially what we first kind of started discussing this around. Uh, that That's one of the things that really frustrates me is that I feel like it's 95 to five in the way of, you know, uh, gentle encouragement or gentle, you know, and it's not even encouragement like, like being more calm and taking a softer approach to trying to still move them forward. It's more of just like, it's okay, just like sit down and stop, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes you got to take a break. And, and I talk about this a lot, you know, that I take down days, like today was a pretty low morale day this afternoon, Mm -hmm. just because like, I mean, there's just days where it seems like nothing's going right and I can't walk, you know, and I just get so mad because I'm like, everything I want to do, it just takes so much more effort than it normally would, you know, Mm -hmm. and so it's just incredibly frustrating and I have to take times where I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to go watch YouTube for 20 minutes, you know, and then I'm Mm going to, but there's like a deadline, you know, and then I'm like, and then I'm going to do X, Y, or Z, right? Like I'm Mm -hmm. still going to be productive and look back at the day and be like, I'm glad I lived, you know, and, and was productive today and, and prayed and did the things that I, I know I need to do and handle my responsibilities. Um, but I think that, yeah, the messaging that we see constantly from the world is always in that, uh, you know, more um, acting as if everybody kind of has that undeserving mindset. And I think that it actually create, it perpetuates it and makes people think that. You know, because we're constantly told, it's just like, I, and I don't want to get political on this. So I don't want to ruin this for you. But, you know, just like I constantly complained about how the Black community is kind of treated that way of like, oh, you're victims. Like, there's nothing you can do, right? Like, you're oppressed and all these things. And it's like, well, you tell somebody that for long enough, they're going to believe it. And I think that everybody's seeing all the, what, what mental health is a lot of times on social media is, is stopping. You know what I mean? It's taking a, taking a break, sitting down indefinitely. And even if you have to go backwards a little bit, it's like, who cares? Like, don't listen to those people who are telling you to, you know, get up or, or push forward and do all these things. And I think that it's so important, especially in regards, we've been talking so much lately about spiritual warfare, is I tell people that, you know, you, when you have wounds, just like when you're in war, right? If I was a platoon leader, when I was a platoon leader, an infantry officer, if you take casualties, like the mission still exists, right? And like, think about you, like something negative happens in your life. Like if you lose a loved one or something happens, Right. Um, you know, a parent, a cousin, whatever it might be, like you still have two kids and a husband, right? Like that doesn't just stop. And that's a practical example of what happens for all of us, right? Like we all have a purpose and a mission and things that we need to do that you still need to take care of yourself. You still need to seek therapy and get help and take rests, right? Because nobody can go 110 miles an hour all the time. But at the same time, we have to keep this greater picture, especially as Catholics, keep this greater picture in mind and understand that some people are going to be frustrated if you're slacking because we're losing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And we can't act like we're in this great, grandiose, like beautiful time to be Catholic and like everybody can just rest freely whenever you want to. And just like, yeah, if you need to stop going to church for a while, if you need to stop doing some of these things, like feel free to just like take time off. And it's like, well, the rest of us who are trying to, you know, advance the gospel in the world, Mm -hmm. get frustrated with that, you know, and rightfully so. Um, I don't know if you have thoughts on that, but I think it's a good transition into what you talked about with sloth earlier because I think there are a lot of people who do that. I talk about this extreme a lot of times as well where there's so many people who are doing good works. I saw this a lot as a parish consultant, people who work for the church and are constantly at the church, but never pray. They go to every mass on Sunday, but they never actually go to mass because they're always working mass. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's so easy to, and I see social workers do this a lot. My My mom was a social worker, so she had a lot of friends in that field. And it's like, they do a lot of good things in their job. Right. But like they don't actually go to church, but it's like, they're the ones who are trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a lot of ways. But it's like, if you're not Mm -hmm. staying connected, mother Teresa had that strong combo, right. That duo of praying one to two hours a day and being the hands and feet of Jesus. So. Right. It's it's kind of like,
2: it's like, imagine hosting a party for somebody and, you know, your intention was like, Oh, well, you know, I'm doing this for them, I'm doing it to honor them. But every time they tried to like stop and actually have a conversation with you, you were like, sorry, I gotta go do this. Oh, sorry, hold on, the appetizers are coming yes. out. Oh, I gotta go welcome people. Um, you're doing nothing for that relationship. And you, you're That's putting all example. of that like value of the relationship into a party, which I'm yeah. sure that person you're throwing it for would actually care very little compared to the relationship, the memories, the conversation, all that kind of thing. Um, and there's a couple different layers to, to, to that, I think, um, one is to be really cognizant of any kind of significant trauma because our bodies do have very natural responses. Um, and they're very different between people, but let's say, you know, someone undergoes a loss, um, it's normal. You're going to have a trauma response. And so it's twofold that, you know, the, but, and like we mentioned in the beginning, where you have to kind of be aware and give yourself some time to understand what is happening to you. Um, you know, are you beginning to dissociate? Are you having nightmares? Are you having these physiological trauma responses? Because if that's the case, then, you know, our res- our rest response is not the proper one. It's, you know, it, we have to like address what's actually being dealt with us. So if you are some, a loved one is experiencing that kind of traumatic response, that's exactly what therapy is for. Um, and it's normal. And sometimes that trauma response, you know, our fight flight, there's a new one freeze, um, which, you know, I wow. imagine, you know, think about flight is I'm sorry, fight would be like, okay, I'm going to attack. I've this, let's say an is coming at me. And I've, I've decided that the size and speed of this animal, I can take it. So then your um, proper response would be to fight it. Let's say, um, it was an alligator, you know, coming at you. you, the proper response would be to run zigzag. Fun fact there. If you run zigzag away, because <laughs> they got it. little legs, they got little legs They can't keep up with you. But so you would, you would know, okay, I couldn't take this animal. I have to run. Right. Mm -hmm. The third, I want you to picture like in Jurassic Park when like they're in the cave and like they're underneath a waterfall and the big Tyrannosaurus rex is like sticking its nose through the waterfall and they're completely frozen, right? Right. Because that's actually more self-preserving than trying to fight a T-Rex or trying to run away from a T-Rex. They just freeze. And with that, they can kind of become invisible in their surroundings. Now, when we have the wrong response to the wrong stimulus or to the to the stimulus that's when we get into problems. So that's why it's really important to reflect on your trauma response because if you're trying to fight a bear or um, if you're trying to run away from a T-Rex, it's just not gonna be helpful and productive for you. Um, So we have to kind of like reset our body in terms of that. But when it comes to really moving forward um, and getting that kind of proper care, I wanted to find what rest really is. And I'm gonna quote from my blog post about rest, um, because I identify it as having three different components. Rest should be restorative, rest should be life-giving and rest should be unitive. So when we talk about rest, we're not talking about um, even, okay, to pick on you, you know, going on YouTube. We're not talking about going on Netflix. We're not talking about a phone call with friends. We're not even talking about reading scripture. There's meditative practices like the rosary and I'll talk about that I include in rest. Um, but anything that's engaging that part of your brain, we, we need rest for both spiritual reasons and biological or physiological reasons. So biologically or physiologically, our brain needs a break. It needs to be able to turn off and not be receiving very much stimuli for about five to 10 minutes, every 60 to 90 minutes. And especially with everyone working from home, staring at their screen, everything. So how often when we have a break, I know I might have a break between clients and I look at my phone.
0: I'm looking at my
2: phone screen until I look back at my computer screen. And I wonder at the end of the day, why I don't feel rested because I'm still giving input. I mean, I could be looking at paint samples in my room and that might feel relaxing because I enjoy it. That's not rest because my brain is still working. My brain's in decision-making mode. I'm compartmentalizing things. I'm, um, you know, storing more memory. That's not actual rest. Saying something isn't rest is not does not equate to saying that it's harmful or negative for you. It just means that rest is one thing. And if you don't get it, it's not good. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then spiritually, um, spiritually, we need rest. So I'll go back to the restorative life-giving unitive. it's restorative in that it invigorates not only our physical body, like I mentioned, but our soul as well. Rest should be life-giving because of that very restorative action. So it should, it should make us feel, um, you know, like we are um, giving something to our soul, giving something to our body when we leave it. Um, And it's unitive in that it brings us back to our identity as made in the image and likeness of God, who not only emphasizes this in the very creation story, but then all throughout the Bible pertaining to prophets, holy men and women, Christ himself, there's 72 um, instances in the Bible where they mention rest. And people love Mm -hmm. to kind of misquote that and be like, see, you know, I, I need to be having a movie night tonight, or I need to be, you know, right. I need to skip this meeting just because I, I, you know, need a day. Um, but that's not what rest is. That's why we go on week-long vacations with our families and we come back and we're like, I need a vacation from my vacation, right?
0: Because <laughs> right,
2: yeah. our poor brain, you have to ask yourself, like, is my brain working? So examples of rest would be staring at a wall. It would be draining your legs, laying on your back and putting your legs up on the wall. Athletes do it all the time, but it feels good. Um, it means just kind of bouncing on an exercise ball and staring out the window. Um, it means sitting there and drinking a hot cup of tea really slowly and not looking at anything, but just what's sitting around you. So no electronics, no books, books are not even rest. Um, if you want to take a bath, you shouldn't be listening to music. You shouldn't be listening to a podcast. Um, those kinds of things, they're, again, they're good, but they're not rest, which is why we're not feeling restored after. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. That's deep. You just said, I I think like 64 things in there could be a whole podcast of themselves. You're a genius. This is so good. I'm so glad we did
2: this. You need to slow me down a little bit and and praise myself.
0: No, it's incredible. No, you said so many things. I'm over here taking notes for my own life. But I guess, you know, with that, I guess, would you say that Would you, oh man, I have so many questions. So first I want to ask, do you think, one of my questions is, do you think that mental prayer counts in that? You know, thinking about like sitting in a chapel with nothing and like you were just trying to communicate with God. Like, would that be too much engaging on your brain? And would you consider that? I guess there's a form of you could do that, right? In a chapel and just kind of be there, right? Yes,
2: yes. Which spiritually we're called to do, right? Like we're not, like like we shouldn't be going to a holy hour and praying a rosary the whole time or reading from the catechism the whole time right. or reading a spirit. And that sounds like that's that's kind of the perfect example. A holy hour Absolutely. is a perfect example of rest yep. because it's it's actually not supposed to be where you're just reading you know, a, a book, however beneficial or spiritual it might be. So that's exactly what rest is supposed to be too. Like it should be what we get from a holy hour, which is the restoration, the gift of life, the unity. Um, so it's a perfect example, I would say that is for sure rest.
0: That's good. I passed the first Lisa test. That's amazing. No, I think it's amazing. What else do
2: I need to give you permission for? Keep that's going. so good.
0: That's so big. Yeah. So many things. But I think that that example, I want to dive more into that because that's so, it is so perfect because one of the things that I tell people all the time, and I learned this at the Mount when I had at, uh, one of my chaplains, so my chaplain at he told me one day, he said, listen, brother, he's like, have you been praying recently or whatever? Like the last few days you've been going to the chapel. And by junior, senior year, I was praying for, you know, 30, 45, 60 minutes a day in the chapel, right? And my mental prayer game was strong at that point, Um, you know, praise the Lord. And he was telling me, he's like, hey, you know, I've even gone to the chapel and stuff. And I was like, yeah, the last like three days I went to mass, but I didn't, I didn't like do my prayer time, you know, daily mass. And he's just like, he's like, listen, he's like, this might sound weird to you. He's like, but you're at a point right now where you're, if you have 30 minutes in the day, I need you to spend that 30 minutes in prayer not in mass. Right. Mm. Which I think one of the things that I learned from that, and I'm learning from what you're saying and why it all makes sense to me is that I've often told people from that moment when I, when I stopped going to mass, instead of praying, I was like, man, so many people. And I learned this through college. I see it here at Benedictine is a lot of people hide behind daily mass. You can hide behind the rosary, right? Like just kind of like the birthday party example you always gave, like, when you said that, I was kind of thinking to myself, like God has all five love languages, right? Like that's what they all mm. exist. He's universal. He's everything, right? So God has all five love languages, but quality time is a big one for him. I don't know if it's like a little bit bigger than the other <laughs> ones, but I think it is, right? Like it's a pretty big one. It might be his number one. The other ones are tied for second, but God is very big on some quality time. And it's the one that he gets the most deprived on from Catholics, I think, mm. because we do try to serve and offer our lives as a gift, right? And we want to, you know, praise him in our words and in the prayers that we do offer up. And we want to, you know, receive communion to get that physical touch and things like that. But the quality time is like that carefree timelessness, right? That the Mm -hmm. Lord almost never gets from us. And it's that true form of rest when the Lord says, you know, come, all you who are, are weary, come and rest in me. Like, that's what he means. And I think people don't ever a lot of times people miss the mark. And it's, it's one of my, my first questions to ask people when they're not doing well spiritually. And I know myself 100% of the time when I'm not doing well spiritually, which means I'm not doing well at all, is I'm not getting that mental prayer in. I'm not actually going to the chapel. I can gauge how I am as a man, literally like all of my all of my manhood, all of my life, my leadership, how I'm doing in my job, what kind of man Emily's dating at the time, right? Like all of that can be gauged on, how well i can sit in a chapel for 15 minutes with nothing right mm-hmm. like that i mean literally if i if i need to know if i need a yardstick mm-hmm. to measure like how well am i doing i can go and sit in the chapel for, and if i if six minutes in i'm looking at my watch like
2: mm-hmm. things aren't
0: going well right like it's not, I'm not, it's uncomfortable I'm not we're exactly. looking we're
2: looking in at ourselves and catholics you're right we we like tactile things and humans are greedy we're all greedy we want to receive him which is such a good thing to desire right but sometimes we're like, well, I know that I could physically attend mass. I know I can recite what needs to be recited. And I know I can physically consume him. Right. All great things, but we are so uncomfortable with like not knowing or have like, are we doing this right? I mean, I think a perfect example would be you, you gave a beautiful opening prayer before we got started today. And I'm thinking, wow, he's so good at just praying out loud. That's something that I've really only recently started to become comfortable doing because everything's recited for us if right. i need to pray i can pray the rosary i can pray a prayer card i could pray a devotional
0: yep.
2: um and those again we're not saying just because we're saying one thing you know is is also good and needed doesn't mean that the, the other no, things, the things are, are bad, bad. <laughs>
0: right.
2: it just means that are we falling back too much on the words of others and and i feel like you know God's like, okay, that's, that's a beautiful song. That's a beautiful prayer. I'm so happy that you've found connection with that. What do you want to say to me? Right. Not what you want to say about me, because believe me, I could be talking about God, all I want on this podcast and on my Instagram page and blog. And he could say, wow, Lisa, I'm so glad of what you're saying about me. What do you want to say to me? And I'm like talking to myself. I'm literally advising myself as we're speaking in this, because honestly, this is his way right now of communicating right. to me that i'm Same. not doing that enough you know it's yep. it's put down the book for a minute talk to me i really want to listen or or listen to me i really want to talk to you
0: right and it's so natural if you think about it in our human relationships right like either either your kids or your husband like thinking about all right if if evan gets you a card right time after time but never actually tells you anything about how he feels about you like you'd rather hear something from his heart right we always say that right like we want to hear mm-hmm. words from the heart anybody can recite a poem and stuff like, and that's nice. And that's good, but it's not the same as when somebody just like sits you down and tells you what they feel, how they feel about you. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what we deprive the Lord of all the time. We're just constantly like the Lord's like, what do you like, what do you want to talk about today? What do you have for me? You're like, Oh, let me read you this thing. And he's like, well, <laughs> you know, God's like, I could read, man. You know, I mean, I appreciate <laughs> you reading it too, but I can read like, I want right. to know what's on your heart. He's like, I can read your heart too, but I really want you to kind of open that up and right. tell me, and it's, it's just really sad that so many people miss that. And I mean, it was just like you just said, I'm convicted of it as well. You know, I'm like, man, I need to get really get back into that and um, just constantly strengthen that. Cause that's like, I always, I always, sometimes I frustrate spiritual directors and stuff. Cause I'm just like, I just want to be back to where I was at the Mount because at the Mount, I could do it for 45 minutes or an hour going mm-hmm. with nothing. And like 45 minutes would pass without me looking at my watch. And I'd be like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm just deep and lost mm-hmm. um, and just communicating and resting. And and literally it felt, I used to tell people that it felt like every two to three weeks, I felt like I had a, like your iPhone upgrades. Like that's how I felt my brain, you know, my soul, mm-hmm. like my character was just like refreshing and upgrading. And like, I was seeing the world differently, you know? And yeah. it's like, why do I deprive myself of that? You know, it's so foolish. Why does any, why do any of us, we didn't, we're not coming up with this, right? Like saints have been talking mm-hmm. about this for 2000 years and, and yet we still, we still neglect it. You still, I have people telling me all the time, like, oh yeah, like, I just kind of pray throughout the day. I just kind of pray all the time. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not what it's meant to be. You know, like mm-hmm. sure there's times and seasons in life, right? Like when you have a newborn or when I was in the field for the, in the army or something like that, where you're not going to be able to sit down and, and have you know 45 mm-hmm. minutes of uninterrupted right. time in a chapel, but as much as we can in our season of life, even if it's 10, 15 minutes, you know, just to like sit down and do nothing. But you really kind of shook me when you talked about drinking tea in the kitchen with nothing else, because it was like, man, if we don't do that with God, how are we ever going to get people to do that with themselves? Mm, You know, like if people will not do that in a chapel, how are we going to sit down in the kitchen and do it?
2: Right. Absolutely. And that's, and (laughs) I I think that, that, that level of discomfort, I mean, ask people, would you ever go see a movie by yourself? Would you ever go to Starbucks and just sit there and just people watch? I love doing stuff like that, but I also, it is, but then I'm people watching and I have this stimulus, this drink to be entertaining me. That's different than just sitting there in front of the blessed sacrament and just being present with him. And you know, you're so right. You know, I, I think that um, we overcrowd our brain with so much going on. You know, I, I, you gave me the idea of kind of like, you know, oh, I pray throughout the day because I've been guilty of saying that before. And I realized though, what if that's the approach I took with like my children? Like, well, I'm together with them exactly. all day. Like yep. I am with them from morning till night, especially right now as I'm on leave. Um, I'm really spending a ton of one-on-one time with them. And yet sometimes I'm just getting other things done, I'm providing for them, but I have to make it a point to spend one-on-one time with each of them making eye contact and not having my phone on me, not listening or dancing to music, and really just like sitting with them. And usually that's by reading. That's just because the age we're at, I can't really have a conversation with them. But I need to make sure that everything's off and I'm talking to them because if I just say, well, I've been with them all day, I've been giving them a bath, I I fed them, I put them to sleep, we rock, like that's all intimate time. It's really not though, right? because you can spend a lot of time with someone and really not be connecting with them on a more intimate level. And the same is with God. Like you could be with them all day. You can talk to them all day. You could think about them all day. But are you listening? Are you quieting everything? Because that's when that spirit, that Holy Spirit moves us. Honestly, it does.
0: Right. It's so important. I I always compare it to texting of like, where you feel like, you know, you're texting somebody all day long. It's like, we talk all the time, you know, but if you don't spend time in person with them, like opening up and sharing your life with them, Mm -hmm. then yeah, you have a very basic relationship. And we all know that, you know, even millennials, like even us young people who are very fond of texting and messaging and stuff like that, like you still know that you don't have that same connection with somebody unless you sit down and have that time, you know, or you could be there.
2: Right. And what's beautiful about rest is that even though it's a requirement that we have to do, you know, it's from God because we do feel restored after there's, you you know, even you could say like, Oh, I feel better after I work out anything that you feel better after having done. Um, and we could get into a whole different philosophical argument about (laughs) feeling going based on something, feeling good or feeling better. But, um, but it doesn't really truly give us life right like it it makes us feel better it gives us endorphins but until you spend that holy hour it's really difficult to describe what it feels like when yes. you're leaving and that is just so so from god and that's exactly yeah. what rest is supposed to be it's not supposed to be honestly it, that's like the highest level of rest yes that's sipping tea in your kitchen i would qualify as rest but you just really hit the nail on the head with bringing up holy hour. I feel like we could talk about that forever, but.
0: Oh, legit. And I think the other thing I want to clarify too, or just kind of add on to what you just said there is it's not even that you can go. And if you've never done a holy hour before, lock yourself in a chapel for an hour tomorrow, and you're going to feel the results of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's going to be miserable at first. Like all these things like take building up, even, mm-hmm. even sipping the tea or doing, you know, any of the other things that you said, like people aren't, so many people that listen to this are like convicted of it, aren't going to do it because the first time you try it, it's awful. Right. Like, and I know that just like, I know going back to the gym and I'm just like, man, you know, I remember squatting almost 400 pounds and now I have a torn Achilles and I can't like move Mm -hmm. my foot in a circle. Like I can get back to squatting heavy and like being strong again. Right. But it's going to take a lot of time. And that's exactly how it is. If you haven't prayed for years, if you've been to confession in 10 years and people want to go to the chapel tomorrow and have a life-changing experience, it's like, No, dude, you're not going to have the same experience. You're not going to be able to describe it. Like you talked Mm -hmm. about being able to describe that feeling and and what that is, uh, you know, just the goodness of that. Um, It takes time, even if you lock yourself in and start to Mm -hmm. do that. But I encourage people to do that in increments, you know, to say, I'm going to spend five minutes today. This is Matthew Kelly. And then add a a week, a minute a week or something Mm -hmm. like that, right? So you get up to 15 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever your goal is, and just take your time and do it incrementally. Um, But the big word that I was thinking of that I think comes from that, that you, you know, you can't describe it, you can't really, you know, uh, really even get close to the experience of it. But I think it's just a clarity that comes Mm -hmm. from all of this, right? And I think that, you know, people that need, and a lot of us need therapy, I probably need therapy, but the people who, you know, are seeking therapy, people who are seeking the Lord, people who are just kind of, you know. Uh, depressed anxious worried stressed out all the time you know pursuing drugs alcohol these different things clinging to sin like what we really need is clarity like clarity is such a beautiful gift you know and it's something that literally the lord just like removes the chains from us gives us this clarity to go. like just even what i was describing earlier when i was talking about getting these upgrades it it felt like i was just kind of increasing the clarity of my vision of the world right like i could Mm -hmm. see things differently i could see people more deeply and who they really were i could see myself for who i was i could see situations more clearly so right and wrong were more clearly defined um all that stuff right like you just have this clarity of what you think about things how you actually feel about things you're taking time to just sit and be right and it's just i mean that clarity is just it's a gift and it's a beautiful thing and it's a gift that we give ourselves by allowing ourselves to cooperate with god who really is the ultimate gift giver of clarity i think
2: Mm, you couldn't have, I, I could not have said that better. And honestly, I, I, I am the, I'm really good at remembering quotes or like the general point of quotes and not who said them. So maybe sure. you can correct me, but um, it's, it's, you know, you need a half hour prayer time a day, unless you're too busy, then you need like a full hour. Yeah. Or something like that. And I, I can't remember who said it, but I
0: know it was a story from mother Teresa that basically talked about that. Like the sister's yes. coming to her saying, we don't have time to pray for an hour a day. And she said, okay, let's start praying two hours a day. And they're like,
2: "What?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. but
2: I encourage, yeah, make time for it because it's just so much more life-giving than any cup of coffee. And I'm preaching, I'm preaching to myself as well. You but, nice coffee. Um, Right. Even iced coffee. There's this new Charlie cold foam in Dunkin' Donuts. And I turned into like an iced coffee brat. I've never had it before then, but it's so good. Um, But yeah, it's even more than that. And bring your cup of coffee to chapel and and don't make it about that. Yeah. Don't make it, you know, it doesn't need to be just about that, but that might help you to have something in your hand. Like you're having a cup of coffee with him and he wants that, you know, bring yourself to him, bring all of you to him. Even if you sit there and say, I don't know what to say to you right Um, I keep hearing the clock ticking I'm coming back to you I just heard a car drive by but I'm coming back to you I just felt my phone vibrate oh I shouldn't have brought it in okay but I'm coming back to you and keep reorienting it's what we do in our life right there's no straight like narrow path
0: it's it's a
2: little jagged as long as we keep coming back
0: absolutely one of my best practices I used to always take my watch off and take and put my phone on airplane mode and just set it aside Mm. and I would start my timer on my watch or my phone and then uh, take them off and just set them aside and, and then okay. kind of check it at the end. But yeah, man, it's a beautiful thing. Well, great. This has been so good. We definitely have to do more in the future. This is just too good to not. I'm super excited. This got me even more excited about your podcast with Liz and uh, tell us just one more time where people can find that. I'll put it in the show notes and stuff too, but.
2: Yeah, it's called um, Mission, Mind and Heart and I am working, it's on Buzz right now. But if you follow mission, mind and heart on Instagram, it has the link and I'm working on, there's like an approval. It's a learning process. There's an approval process to get it on, you know, where you oh, get yes. podcasts. So I'll have to pick your brain about that. But yeah, we're really excited. We hope it's just really fruitful, open conversation. We want people to give us, you know, topics that they're interested in learning about. Mm. Um, and it's just an opportunity for us to kind of nerd out on all things therapy and, and Catholicism. But yeah, this is so good. It's like making me like really crave Holy hour
0: this week. I know I'm about to go to the chapel now. We got one in the basement.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, you down. have no
0: excuse, son. <laughs> I, I told you it's the it's the Pangborn of, right. of Benedict. So we got the chapel and everything. It's our our mm. biggest perk is that uh, Jesus is one of the roommates. So absolutely, well, Lisa, you are awesome, mature, unbelievably smart. I really appreciate you just sharing your your life with us today and all your wisdom. Um, and your holiness, your witness, all that stuff. So thank you for for being who you are and, and sharing everything with us today. It was awesome having you on.
2: Thank you so much. It's a walk down memory lane to be able to chat again. And I so appreciate your platform and your podcast. So keep doing what you're doing. And I'm excited to work again in the future.